Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 209 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. I don't know about all of you guys, but I'm really excited to be well into kind of the new year here. We're in our, what, the third week of January now. And I'm just really happy to kind of be back on schedule a little bit with the show. Hopefully you appreciate that I'm getting back into it, especially if you've been a, a longtime listener. If you've just started listening, I really appreciate that. And hopefully these episodes will be a big help to you. Today's episode is going to be on a really interesting topic, improving your technique versus trying to win matches. There's kind of a balance between those two things, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. Right, awesome topic to talk about today, and it comes to us from Paul. Paul wrote to me and said, I like playing to win. I'm pretty competitive, but there are areas of my game that I know I need improvement on. For example, my backhand. My question is, how do you go about changing and improving as I know I should practice and use my attacking backhand in game situations so I can get better at it, but in the short term, I will play worse and probably lose some matches until I improve. Basically, I know it would be better to do in the long term, but I don't want to play, I'm sorry, but I don't want to pay in the short term. Any advice? Cheers, Paul. All right, really good topic, Paul. And I've, I've definitely got some suggestions for you and some just kind of some general thoughts so that you're approaching this from just kind of a healthy attitude in a, in a healthy perspective. And the first thing I want to say is that I'm so happy that you're asking me this question. And the reason why it makes me happy is most other tennis players don't do or really don't even consider this balance that you're talking about. Instead, they use only what they're already comfortable with when it really counts in match play. And they do this for years and years and years. They really never venture outside of their their comfort level. They never really get outside the box as far as what they know they're already good at. And as a result, they get better at what they already have. You know, what they're already comfortable with, they get pretty good at, but they never reach their true potential on the court. And this is, uh, you know, a whole other topic, really, kind of getting better within your level as opposed to transcending your level completely and making a big jump up to a level of play that's completely different. It's not possible to jump up to a level that's totally different where you are now. And I'm, I'm talking to all of you at this point, not just Paul. It's not possible to make a complete jump up to a, t- up to a completely different level unless you do something different than what you're doing now. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect huge results, huge improvements. Now, you can get incrementally better at what you're already doing, but there's there's only a, you know, a finite amount of improvement to be had there before you have to do something different. And when I say different, I don't mean radically different, okay? But there, there must be technique improvements, i.e. changes to really make a jump up fully to the next level. So that's why I'm really happy that you're asking this question, Paul. You're not just satisfied continuing to do what you've been doing. You want to make those changes and those improvements. So 
The first thing that I want to point out to you and everybody else listening is that making improvements to any physical skill, tennis or otherwise, is always a process and it will always take time. And if you want to to do some interesting reading on that topic specifically, I highly recommend The Talents Code by Daniel Coyle. That's C-O-Y-L-E, The Talents Code. Really, really interesting book. He, he travels around the world and does research on different kind of hotspots for quote-unquote talent within different sports. So as, as an example, he actually travels to Russia to check out why there was that kind of big boom in Russian tennis. I think he talks about Serbia too, but I'm not sure if it's, if it's that recent. He, he goes to Brazil and looks at uh, Brazil and soccer. You know, why, did, why have they dominated soccer for, for years and years, etc. So So what he finds is that the word talent is something that's really overrated. Talent isn't something that you're born with, which is a really popular misconception. The only way to become talented at something is to practice in a certain way that develops the skills necessary to be good at any kind of physical sports, or he even uh, researches piano players and musicians. So there's no way around this. It takes time to put in the practice repetitions. I won't go into any further depth than that, but, but I, I highly recommend that book if, if that sounds interesting to you. It takes time to put in the, rack, the practice reps, and it takes time to put in the competitive repetitions as well. See, so it's one thing to be able to make a technical change and do it when the ball machine is hitting you the ball or a friend or a coach, and it's the same shot over and over again. It's a completely other thing to be able to do it when it really counts, and you know it counts, and it's a competitive shot coming at you. So spending time doing both is is necessary, and there's just no way around either one. Now, once in a blue moon, somebody will make a technique change and just take to it immediately. And for whatever reason, it just really makes sense physically, and it just feels right, and they immediately incorporate it into their game. Don't expect this. None of you listening to me, don't expect this. It does happen once in a while. Uh, if and when it does happen, consider it just kind of a bonus and be grateful for it. But please don't expect that to happen or, or you'll be, inevitably, you'll be frustrated and you'll give up on the change immediately. And I don't want that to happen to any of you listening to me right now. You have to have real, realistic expectations when going in to make a technique change with, with anything, tennis or, or otherwise. Now, as far as how to balance these two things out, that is technique improvement versus winning, and I totally understand, Paul, because I'm an extremely competitive person myself, the bottom line is this. It's always a balance between the two, and you need to, ch- you need to choose rather what will bring you the most fulfillment. See, at the end of the day, hopefully, you're playing tennis because you love it, and it's enjoyable to you, and I think the word fulfillment really describes that really well. You, you walk out on the court, whether it be for practice or for competition, you walk off the court and you feel fulfilled inside. And the, and the reason why that happens is different for different people. Some people just love the competition. Some people love the personal accomplishment of making a change or making an improvement or playing a little bit better than the last time or playing a little bit better than a year ago. 
you know, whatever. Uh, some people love the social aspect of it. And they just love getting together with friends, having a good time. Some people just love the exercise, whatever. You, you're doing this because you get some kind of fulfillment out of some part of the sport. And you need to balance out these two elements in a way that makes sense sense for you. I can't tell you exactly what steps to take. You need to decide what's going to make sense for you and, and why you play the sport. Some people are incredibly competitive and will only be happy if they win more matches. That's kind of one end of the spectrum. And by the way, that's, in my opinion, an unhealthy attitude to have, an unhealthy outlook for any kind of sport. Now, that's a whole other topic for, for another show, but I, I feel pretty strongly about that now, looking back at my own tennis career. Other people don't really care about winning, which seems incredible to people like Paul and myself, but they just need to know that they're improving to feel fulfilled. You know, that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. They don't win, lose, or draw. It doesn't, really doesn't matter. If they've made a little bit of an improvement, then they're totally happy and satisfied, right? And there's the other things as well, social, exercise, etc. So you need to decide where you are in that spectrum, Paul, and pursue this improved backhand at a pace that makes sense for you or at a time that makes sense for you. And that brings me to just a couple of quick, simple suggestions. And that's basically going to wrap up my, my answer here, Paul. First of all, I would suggest, if possible, wait for an off-season of some kind to start making this change. And that's not always possible, but a lot of people play, you know, league tennis during the summer or they play, you know, USTA matches during the indoor season or, or whatever. If you have a very definitive, you know, on-season and off-season, then if possible, wait for that off-season to really begin the process of improving this stroke or you know, making multiple changes if that happens to be necessary. Be careful about that, by the way. That's a whole. That's another another uh, topic we could talk about. But wait for an off season if it's possible. Once the change is pretty comfortable, your suggestion number two. Once the change is pretty comfortable during deliberate practice, and deliberate practice is a term from that book, uh, the Talent Code. Once you're comfortable just practicing it, schedule as many practice matches as possible. So what I'm going to suggest here is, is kind of a process, Paul, moving from deliberate practice, which means that you're out there for the sole purpose of working on this improvement, and you have a ball machine, or you have a partner feeding to you, or you have a coach feeding to you, or you're just dropping the ball to yourself, and you're just focusing solely on this technique change. Once you're able to correctly perform that technique change, pretty reliably and without really having to think much about it anymore on the practice court, then you want to move to practice competition. And that could simply be baseline games. It could be practice sets with serve and return, whatever. You need to get, you need to kind of make that next step up in terms of how, in terms of difficulty level and start learning how to continue to execute that technique change within a little bit more dynamic situation. Okay, so that's kind of step number two. And then step number three is finally doing it when it really counts. And that, in, in my opinion, that's just a completely separate skill from the first two, doing it when you're under pressure. When you're under pressure, you're going to naturally want to regress 
to what your most used technique is. And if you're like me or basically any other human being, uh, a lot of times your most used technique is going to be a poor one or not necessarily poor, but one that's not as good as the one that you were working on, right? And so when you go into that practice match or maybe even from practice match to real match, it'll regress at first. And it's, you know, that can be very frustrating, but please don't think that you're doing anything wrong or that you're a bad athlete or a bad person or, or whatever. In fact, I would kind of actually expect that you'll have some regression when you go into a real pressure situation back to what your previous habit was. And that's completely natural. It's, don't worry about it. It's no problem. Just head back to the practice courts, build up your confidence there, and just kind of go through that cycle again. Build up your confidence on the practice courts. Maybe you'll still totally have your confidence on the practice court. Okay, now play some practice uh, competition, some baseline games or some practice sets with a partner, and then make your way back to that real, you know, quote-unquote real competition again where it really counts. And you might have to repeat this cycle many times to before that new change, that new technique really truly becomes a new habit and you don't have to think about it anymore and it just becomes second nature and that old inferior technique habit never comes back again. It may take many cycles through that process. Please don't get frustrated. And if you do, remember why you're doing this. Remember why you play tennis in the first place because you enjoy it, right? Because you love the sport of tennis, because it brings you fulfillment for whatever list of reasons why you love the game. Just remember that and remember that it's always a process, okay? And this is just just a straight up life lesson that can be learned through tennis and it applies to every other area of life. It is a process. And this, is, this isn't even on my notes, I'm just, just preaching at this point. <laughs> Uh, you will never just arrive. I don't care who you are. There are always things, I don't care who you are or how long you've worked at this sport, there will always be things that you can improve. You will never arrive at good tennis player status or quote-unquote good tennis player status, right? Especially if you're a person like Paul or I who's super competitive, there's always going to be some next level that you're going to aspire to. And enjoy that part of it. You know, there's kind of two ways that you can think about it. You can you can allow it to always frustrate you, and you can constantly be saying to yourself, "Wow, I mean, yeah, I've gotten a lot better, but but look, I can't even do this yet, or I can't even do that yet." And then you you get to that point, you're like, "Okay, I can do that, but I can't even do this, right?" You know what I'm talking about? And you're never satisfied. Don't get stuck in that cycle, especially if you have a personality like Paul or myself. It, it can be easy to fall into that, but remember why you're playing it, why you enjoy it, and don't let those cycles, those kind of regressions frustrate you and cause you to give up on what could be a very, very worthwhile improvement or change to your game. So Paul, hopefully that's helpful to you. Hopefully that, that makes sense. As always, if, if you have any further questions at all, please feel free to let me know. Thanks a lot for the topic suggestion. I appreciate it. And thank you very much for being a listener of the show. Okay, that does it for episode number 209 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. I hope today's episode was a, a big help to you in some way, or at the very least, 
gave you a little bit of something to, to think about and hopefully will improve your outlook or attitude or kind of approach to, to practice and improving at the game moving forwards. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave me a review on the iTunes Music Store. And I actually want to thank two people that just very recently left a review just in the last week or so. Charles Reed and Pretzla, Pretzla or something something like that. I apologize. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Pronouncing that. But to both of you, thank you so much for your recent reviews of of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Really appreciate that. If if you're listening and you've enjoyed the show and you've learned something from it, I'd appreciate a review from you. And by the way, subscribing to the show on iTunes is definitely the best way to automatically get the show each time I put it out. So so check that out, both uh, for Windows and Mac. Uh, and also on your iPhone. Uh, there's a podcast app on your iPhone that you can subscribe to. All right. So that does it for this week. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Take care and good luck with your tennis. Bye.